I am an uncommon church builder. I am leading second. Welcome back. Uh, I'm Brandon Stewart, and this is the Leading Second Podcast, where we're on a mission to raise up uncommon church builders and be the kind of leaders that our pastors would absolutely kill to have on the team. Man, I am so fired up, so excited for today's episode. I just got done with my interview a few minutes ago with our guest today, and I cannot wait. Uh, to get this episode published and for you to listen to this today. So uh, welcome to the podcast. I believe that today is really going to help you. This is one of those episodes you're going to want to replay over and over again. And let me just say before we get into this today, we count it such an honor uh, to have a voice into your life and into your leadership journey here at Leading Second. We are for you. We believe in you. Or if you are a leader in the second chair, if you are a leader that serves on a church team, serves a pastor, this is your tribe. This is your community. Welcome home. We're so glad uh, that you're here today. Hey, before we uh, get into our episode today, I want to remind you that it is coaching group season at Leading Second. Three times a year, we offer coaching groups which are essentially small groups of leaders that meet for 12 weeks on video calls uh, six times. And um, it's our way of offering personal training. If, if Leading Second is a gym, a leadership gym, then coaching groups are our personal training. And a registration is now open for coaching groups. So you're going to want to head to leadingsecond.com and at least submit an application, find out more. Uh, coaching groups are the great love of my life, and we would count it an honor to spend this fall with you and to have you in one of our coaching groups. Also, for those of you who have been through one, uh, we're offering a new 201 group just for you uh, that you're going to want to check out uh, for this fall as well. Well, every episode here on the Leading Second Podcast, we take a question from a listener of the podcast um, who is connected to us on social media or who, who is a part of the Leading Second Forum on Facebook. So let's uh, check out today's question from a listener. Hey, Brandon. My name is Chris Lucas. I live in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I'm currently making the leap from a career in healthcare to a calling in full-time ministry. I'll be serving as the guest experience director at Elevation Church at our Morrisville campus. And my question for you today is kind of twofold. One, what advice would you tell your first year self that I and maybe others listening that are in a similar position of beginning ministerial work? What could we learn from you? What would you tell yourself maybe uh, having started um, ministry many years ago? Uh, and what could we glean from you uh, today? And second, uh, what practical steps, habits, and customs have you implemented personally into your schedule uh, to ensure that you continue growing and becoming the most effective leader that you can, all while maintaining the vision of the church and honoring your pastor? I definitely anticipate having a full schedule, but I want to incorporate these daily habits up front and continue to maintain the hunger to grow as well as the spirit of teachability. Uh, thank you for all you do, Brandon. I think that this uh, podcast was much anticipated, even if uh, I didn't know it. Uh, definitely a timely tool, uh, and I feel 
even more confident and equipped to step into this calling of the second chair. So thank you. Wow, Chris. Well, uh, first of all, thank you for the kind words uh, for leading second. I'm so glad that you're finding value uh, out of this. Uh, also, a huge congratulations on stepping into uh, full-time ministry for the first time. That's a big step, and uh, we're absolutely cheering you on. You know, so many of us do ministry in different capacities, whether it be paid or unpaid, uh, but no doubt the the moment where you step into ministry in that capacity is really special. So huge congratulations uh, from us on that. Um, great question today. So first year self, what would I tell my first year self? I think if I were to go back and um, talk to myself, I would re- remind myself of this that ministry is a marathon and not a sprint. And uh, I think what I mean by that is that in ministry, uh, we are called to run really strong. We're called to run really fast. You know, we want to accomplish everything that's in the heart of our pastor, everything that's in the heart of God. Um, And so there's a real mandate to achieve and to run your race to win, as the Bible says. But I also believe that we need to stay healthy while we do it. In other words, we need to run fast and run healthy simultaneously. And I think the greatest leading second leaders in the world are the ones who live in and manage that tension well, that uh, I'm going to have to run fast and run healthy for a really long time. In other words, it's not a sprint. I'm not just going to be doing this for a year or two. Uh, This is a marathon and I want to be in this thing uh, to run my race for a really long time. So I think I would I would say that in regards to uh, practical steps, um, I think something I would remind all of us today is simply this, that it's not our pastor's job to make sure we're staying healthy. <laughs> you know, when kids are hungry, they say, feed me. But when adults are hungry, they go to the fridge. In other words, you know right away if you're talking to a spiritual child or a spiritual adult by the way they handle and manage their own hunger. And I've just always seen it as my job to manage myself on the daily in terms of staying healthy and the practical things. So you're asking the right question, Chris. We've talked about several angles of this over the course of time, and I won't repeat I will say and remind everybody that I think my biggest breakthrough personally has been fighting every single day to have thinking time and praying time alone. Uh, I do it in the morning. I might work at another time of the day for someone else, but I fight for that space. I treasure that space. It is the space that sets me up for a win every single day with God and in clearing my own head, my own heart uh, for the day. And I can't encourage you enough to fight for that kind of a space. Um, I will share with you a new recommendation I have, and that is a book called The Power of When. The Power of When. This is a book where the author dives into discovering your chronotype, you know, as if we needed another personality test here. Uh, Here's another one. Uh, Discovering your chronotype, but meaning if you're wired to be a morning person, a midday person or a night owl, and then building your schedule around that. So he recommends thoughts for every single chronotype and how to maximize your productive hours, how to maximize your relational hours, how to maximize your working out, your eating, all of it to also then maximize your sleep. And I can't think of a book that has helped me 
more practically in a really long time. I've recently cracked it open. I have not read every page, so I cannot recommend every page, but I have I have gone through enough of it and implemented enough of it in my life where it has really been a powerful tool. So I would encourage you to check out The Power of When. And um, I, there, there were some really practical ideas in there that I implemented. I am a lion on the chronotype. Uh, if you want to read the book, you'll know what that means. And that, that basically means I'm a morning person. And it helped me uh, learn when to do certain things during the day to match that. And it's been really transformational uh, for me. So I hope that helps you today, Chris. And again, a huge congratulations to you. Uh, if you have a question that you'd like to ask on the podcast, I'd encourage you to join the Leading Second Forum on Facebook and uh, send us a DM or find the question form there. You can also email us at leadingsecond at churchforward.co. Send us your question. We would love to bring you on to a future episode of the podcast. Okay, so without further ado, uh, I am so excited and honored to introduce to you today a new friend of mine, Chris Brown. He's going to be joining us for our interview today. Uh, Chris serves the local church as a communicator, as well as a coach uh, to pastors and to churches. Previously, Chris was a part of the Dave Ramsey team uh, with uh, as their voice to local churches. And Chris has also served on church teams himself as a campus pastor and executive pastor and CFO, among other roles. And above all, what I love most about Chris is Chris deeply loves the local church, and you're going to hear why today. Uh, Today in this conversation, Chris and I talk about a wide range of topics centered around stewardship and promotion. We talk about entitlement, gratitude, how to get promoted, and even things we would do differently as young leaders. So uh, without further ado, let's head over to our interview today, my conversation with Chris Brown. All right. So today I am joined here with a new friend to uh, myself, to Leading Second. I'm joined today by Chris Brown. Chris, why don't you say hello to everyone today? Hey, Brandon. Pumped to be here on the podcast. Thanks for the invite. Yeah. Thanks for a few minutes of your time today. Thanks for uh, joining us and and thanks for all that you do for uh, for the church and for the kingdom. I know that you've been a blessing here at my home church at Champion Center, and uh, you've really elevated um, some great uh, some great thoughts and great wisdom into our house. So I just have to first of all say uh, thank you to you for that as well. Um, tell us a bit about you and your family. You know who are you and what do you do. Well, I help the church however I can, um, whether that be through podcasts like we're doing here today or speaking uh, at churches around the country um, or coaching, consulting, whatever, just however I can add value. But uh, I am living in Nashville. I lived here for four and a half years with my wife of 18 years, and we got three kids, uh, Max, Jack, and Annie. They're 13, 12, and 10. And I tell people all around the country, uh, <laughs> I didn't name my kids. Uh, you know, on purpose, but I kind of prophetically named them Max and Jack, at least, because my life has been maxed out and jacked up <laughs> ever since uh, they've been alive. So anyway, it's uh, they're involved in a lot of sports and we stay really busy around here. Yeah, I was going to say 13, 12 and 10. You've got nothing going on then at this point is what you're saying. <laughs> yes, they, they they like their activities. That's for sure. We drop them off at about seven in the morning and I'm lucky if I get them back by 8 p.m. So good. 
Hey, before we get into what we're going to talk about today, I do love to ask this question, especially with new friends. Um, what is something unique or interesting about you that not a lot of people would know? Like, like take us behind the veil. Um, what, what, what's something that makes you unique? Um, I just bought a farm randomly. I lived in Miami. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, was, I, went, I literally went from Miami to a Tennessee farm. So it's actually, I think it could be a reality TV show. Uh, <laughs> there's been a lot of funny things that have been going down in the last year, but, uh, about a 30 acre farm, uh, way out in the country in Tennessee with uh, a home on it that was built in the early 1800s. It is the oldest oh home. Yeah. It's the oldest home in my entire County. So it's, um, you know, a log cabin. It's got 10 other buildings on the, on the farm and they're all old. And, um, and so, you know, the animals and the, um, care for log homes and uh, the, um, taking care of the grounds, it's just all new to me. And so you really could make a reality TV show out of That's two. Amazing. I'm not far removed, just four or five years removed from wearing white jeans, yeah. uh, wearing pointed boots, uh, um, blonde tipped hair, flowery <laughs> shirts and excessive jewelry. So think about that particular person on a 200 year old farm. It's kind of humorous. That's amazing. Do you have a new grace on your life, sir? Because I think my definition of harvesting in my life anymore is, is opening Uber eats app or something. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> feeding my family that way. So I'm, I'm just going to pray God's grace on you for Thank you. I the, need it. <laughs> the city boy will pray for the the new farm guy. Um, well, hey, I love so much of your voice into um, the church. And I think what I wanted to talk about today, um, so much of your voice into the church has been around stewardship and been around handling, you know, God's blessing, God's way. And um, I just thought when, when I've, as I've, you know, listened to you and, and watched you over the course of time, I just thought so many young leaders need to hear this and uh, so many young leaders need to grasp and to get, uh, you know, I guess what you've been saying to the church and bringing. And so I just wanted to, first of all, say, I love that. Um, how did you get started, I guess, with a real emphasis in teaching on stewardship? Well, I've always been passionate about just re return on investment, regardless of church, regardless of spiritual uh, just from a business perspective, organizational perspective, and then just ROI on my time. And then over time, it got uh, solidified into the fact that it's not just ROI from a business perspective. It's deeper than that. It's a, it's a, um, it's a, uh, not an earthly thing at all. It's a, it's a, it's a spiritual thing. And so mm. when I realized that uh, all that ROI stuff was as if I was the owner, um, uh, everything got deeper when I realized Psalm 24, one is true. Uh, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, mm. which means I'm not the owner. Uh, so what am I? Well, I'm a manager uh, because the Bible says in first Corinthians four, two, those who have been entrusted to be managers must prove faithful. Uh, he gave us dominion in Genesis. Uh, and so it's a privilege um, to be able to, you know, even as I say that right now, I say all that Psalm 24, one, first Corinthians four, two, there's some people that know the Bible really well. They're listening into this and you may nod your head subconsciously and be like, yeah, yeah, yada, 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 yada. Let's, I'm going to get to something I never heard before. 
Mm. That right there, Brandon, is the problem. Yes, totally. That it's just a mental awareness. There is not a deep down gratitude that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords trusts us enough with his stuff. Mm. And uh, it's not just stuff like money. It's not. It's also like our those of us that are married. It's you know, those of us that are in a dating relationship. Those of us that are in college, and it's the the tuition that we've been granted. Uh, um, yeah. It's the things that we own, and more specifically, I'm going to go a little bit deeper because it's the leadership podcast. It is the role that we play right. on the team. That is a gift from God, and right. so we got to steward that well. We can't we can't control what we don't have. What we can control is what we do have, and to be faithful within that. So. It's not just an ROI in your time. It is you are managing that role. You're managing every single minute of every day for the creator. And so for me, that that fuels everything I do, whether I'm at a marriage conference, whether I'm at a parenting conference, whether I'm at a leadership conference, it all boils down to that. So I think if I were to be passionate about one particular uh, passage in the scripture, it would be about something about stewardship, because I feel like that's the core issue of anything else you talk about. Mm. That's so well said. And and talk about this for a second. Why does stewardship matter for young leaders? I mean, so many uh, of those listening to Lady Second podcast, of course, are all ages, but you know, primarily those either getting their start in ministry or um, you know, leading at a young age, youth pastors, campus pastors. Um, why does stewardship matter particularly for those who are getting their start and cutting their teeth in ministry? There's a, at the foundation of the way to handle life uh, and particularly, you know, like money, leadership, whatever, there's two different roads you can take. There's God's way and the world's way, and they're so polar opposite. Yes. Um, uh, the world's way, regardless of what context you're talking about, let's take leadership, for instance, is all rooted in entitlement. Um, no matter what age somebody is, we all have a problem with entitlement. Our natural gravitation is to say things like, either out loud or to ourselves, I work so hard for my money. Oh, I deserve, I deserve, uh, this is unfair. Yes. And it's just wrapped up in, all those things are cousins of entitlement. Well, God's way is all wrapped up in gratitude, being grateful for the fact that God trusts us enough with that position. And you're so filled with gratitude that you're like, I am going to treasure this particular role with wow. everything I have, because yes. it's more than I had yesterday. It's more than I had 10, 10 days ago. It is exactly where God wants me. And so whether you're young, old, no matter what the age, imagine what the world would look like. Imagine what leadership cultures would look like if everyone went into every day and their positions with gratitude rather than entitlement. Now, I'll tell you this, and this may be where the conversation is going, but think about the people that you want to promote. Think about the people in life that you want to promote. You want to promote people who are filled with gratitude. You don't want to promote people who are filled with entitlement. You want to promote people that go outside of their job description, and they're generous. Well, how, why are they generous? Well, they're generous because that is a byproduct of being grateful. Um, you know, you could say this, that generosity is actually the currency of gratitude. Mm. Uh, generosity is really gratitude in action. And you can't be a continual generous person and go outside your job description and give people high fives and give people a hug and give people a smile and, and uh, deliver cookies to your neighbor and, and, um, and, and tutor your roommate uh, on your free time. You can't do those things unless you're filled with gratitude. So that's why stewardship matters is because if you really understand that you're not the owner 
and you are managing for the creator, you can't help be grateful. And then the domino effect, which I love that uh, your home church had a series, uh, I think two years ago, called the domino effect. Right, and yeah. it was amazing. But one of the things that uh, Pastor Kevin Gerald said in that series was, uh, people don't choose their future. They choose habits that shape their future. Yep. And, um, and if you can have a habit all the way in the core of who you are, that is filled with a, a knowledge and awareness that everything that you have is not yours. You are managing, including that nice car that you drive is a gift from God. Then you'll be filled with gratitude. That'll be a habit of gratitude and that will fuel all your decisions. And I'm a firm believer that belief system leads to actions and those actions lead to results. We all need to be working on our belief system so that we can yield different actions and get better results. If you just go towards actions, um, then you're going to be inconsistent. You'll do great actions for two days and then you'll go backwards. So all that to sum up my answer, at the core of who you are, if you're going to be consistent in your behavior and your desired behavior, You've got to be grateful that he's the owner and that you're managing. Now, I know stewardship is not a sexy word. <laughs> yeah, totally. That's exactly what we're talking about. You don't, you don't have to use the word stewardship. You may be listening to this and going, gosh, stewardship is such a lame word. I agree. It is lame. <laughs> but please don't un- misunderstand that the concept is not lame at all. The concept is, I mean, if you want to, separate, you want to uh, drop a synonym in there, godliness or mm-hmm. discipleship or um, I don't, I don't care what you call it. You can name it after your dog or your favorite Disney character. I don't care, but understand that God's the owner and that you're the manager is foundational to any success that you're going to have in leadership. You know, as you're talking, I'm thinking about my own life and leading in my twenties. I've grown up in my church, you know, essentially the same church my whole life. And I, I have to say, I've always loved my church. Um, I've always had a heart for the house. I, I consider myself exceptionally blessed to be a part of this house. Um, Having said that, I think entitlement made its way into my life at, at some moments, you know, when I was growing up, I think of moments where I wasn't grateful. Um, I think of moments, another word that comes to my mind is I wasn't content. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I I didn't, that there's been a lot of times in, in my life where I wasn't, I wasn't content. And, um, that led me into one of my, one of my most recent, um, wrestles and thoughts. I'm trying to put some language around, you know, achievement addiction or whatnot. I learned about myself. If you're an Enneagram person, I'm a three on the Enneagram, which means I'm an achiever performer type. I, I live my life out of a value system that gets its value from achieving. So I'm like the chief of sinners on this. You know, when it when it comes to um, that being able to go to a very unhealthy place for me if I don't watch it. But as I've as I've I don't know, gotten older, I really hate to say that, by the way. Um, But as I as as I've gotten more experienced in ministry, I, I I'm living now with a greater sense of contentment. And I think this also plays into a word you just mentioned a minute ago, promotion. Let's talk about promotion for a minute, because I know I've been really achievement hungry and promotion hungry when I wasn't content, you know, and I'm not, we're not talking about not being hungry and not, you know, and we'll get there in a second. You're not working really hard for what's next. That that's, there's still a great aspect of that. But I think when I lacked contentment, I, I was just really itchy for the next promotion, for the next opportunity. Would you, would you lean into that idea of, of, I guess, how to get promoted for a second? Because I feel like you could really reframe promotion and contentment and some of those things 
uh, for a young leader that's listening? Yeah, you know, I think anytime you're going to address a topic like this or any topic, you got to back up more, uh, just more foundationally. Let's 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 pull up a little bit uh, outside of promotion. Just think about um, life in general. Um, let's say we wanted to be happy. Uh, how do we get happy? Do we just go after happiness? Check out this foundational verse that will work for all of us. Proverbs eleven twenty five says the generous will prosper. Uh, Chris, what does that have to do with um, with promotion? Well, that's only part one. Uh, part B of that particular verse says, those who refresh others themselves are refreshed. Now, I think everyone listening in has got to ask themselves, uh, when I get in those uh, mindsets, like Brandon had admitted that he gets he's gotten into in the past, what are we really trying to do? Are we trying to lift others up? Are we trying to refresh others? Or are we trying to refresh ourselves? Are we focused on ourselves? Or are we focused on others? And, I, you know, just real, let's break that down a little bit more. Just super, um, this is just very practical for someone to take away. Some things to do if you want to get promoted that are all rooted in that verse. Again, that verse is Proverbs eleven twenty five. Number one, care about what your leader cares about. Let's say that you do not have a teenager right now. Uh, you don't have, which most of our audience does not. You don't have a teenage kid at home. But your lead pastor or your superior cares a lot about youth ministry right now in this season. And maybe you're all about the college age ministry or you're all about newlyweds right now. But they are so entranced in, and maybe you're a discipleship guy or a discipleship gal, and they're all about attractional and they're about attendance. Mm. The bottom line is right now in this season, that's what they care about. And listen, they're the leader. Uh, God gave them the vision for the church, not you. Care about what they care about. So they have a lot of kids in the youth ministry. That's where they're at right now. Right now they care about, they care about everything, but they care about that a lot right yep. now. Yep. Well, right. genuinely, authentically care about that with them. Go along on the journey. That's the same thing I would give for any kind of advice, marital advice. Care about what your spouse cares about. So care about what your leader cares about. Number two, solve the biggest problems. So uh, they may say, you know what, our biggest problem is we don't have enough money for uh, launching a campus, or we don't have enough money for the air conditioner for the children's building. Well, solve that problem. Find a way. Go outside your job description and say, you know, I'm going to solve the biggest problem. Now do that within parameters. Don't go nuts and like, you know, commit to something that you're not supposed to commit to, mm. but throw down like here are five. I'm not going to just point out a problem. I'm going to bring solutions. Here are five or six solutions that I think that may help with that. I know it's not my job description. They're just suggestions, but I care about these biggest problems to get us to the next level. And here are some possible solutions. And here is the game plan to work out those solutions. I can be a part of it or not be a part of it. It's not about me. I just want to help solve the biggest problems because I care about the team. That's number two. The third one, <laughs> the other two are pointless unless you do the third one. <laughs> the third one is crush your job description. If you do the other two and you're a seven in your role, it doesn't matter. Wow. Crush your job. Whatever so you've true. been told to do, freaking crush the job yes. description. Go yes. after it. And you got to be winning. People aren't going to listen to you unless you're winning. And what you'll find out is with success comes freedom. So you may feel like you're micromanaged right now. Ooh, I'm a man. I'm a grown man, right? And uh, you may feel that way right now, but with success comes freedom. They will start to lengthen the chain. They'll start to lengthen the dog collar, whatever you feel like it is right now. Mm -hmm. um, but if you crush your job description with success 
comes freedom. And that is for 99% of leaders that are out there are going to give you more freedom. They don't want to babysit. They don't want to micromanage. They got enough things on their plate. So anyway, again, care about what your leader cares about. Solve the biggest problems and crush your job description. All of that is rooted in the fact of Proverbs 11.25. The generous will prosper. All that has to do with going outside your job description. Those who refresh others themselves are refreshed. And the bottom line is, if you help others win, you will win on the journey. Okay, so everyone who is listening to this, uh, you ought to do yourself a favor to pause this podcast right now, rewind about two, three minutes, replay this for your entire team, because Chris, what you just shared, that, that will save someone's life if they will, if they will do that, if they will take that. And I couldn't agree with you more. And thank you. You just gave me a leadership lesson for the next year. Uh, that's really going to help me. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, Brandon, the opposite is let's play the opposite. Let's just do the opposite for a second. Yep. We all know that person. We would never say we're the person. It's right. funny. None of us would say we're that person, but we all know, we all know this person. So something's wrong. Of course. There's some, there's a gap in self-awareness somewhere. So we all know that person who every time they turn around, they're saying, look what I did. Totally. And whenever the, their, their team screws up, it's look what my team did. Um, and that person who's always trying to self promote, you can see it from a mile away. You can see it on social media from a yep. mile away. Uh, and, um, so what does that make people do? Well, how do you feel when you see that person, that kind of person, you don't want to lift them up. You don't want to, totally. you don't, you lose trust with them. And so we got a choice and it's not like one's like a fraction better than the other. One is amazing for you and for them. One is bad for them and you. Mm. Like it's polar opposites. So wow. let's, let's get on the generosity train. God is the one, the Bible says God's the one that lifts up. And so let's trust the fact that he will honor Proverbs eleven twenty five. You refresh others, he'll take care of the rest. Mm. So, so, so good. Um, let's talk for a minute about laying the right foundation. Because I know for me, when I've been in times and in seasons where I was you know, kind of in that um, achievement addiction season, or doing it only to get noticed, like you talked about, doing it only to get promoted, but not not really focused on the right things. I know uh, for me, one of the things I've done is I've neglected the small things. And I think if I were to go back like to my 20s, I think there are some small things I would do differently to lay the right foundation you know, to run strong in your thirties and your forties, you know, run strong for a really long time. So I guess I would just want to ask you that, like if you were a young leader starting out in ministry again, cause you know, you've had your own seasons in leading in the second chair, you know, serving in the second chair. Um, if you were to go back, are there things that you would do differently today to lay the right foundation for a life of ministry ahead? Yeah. And just to give everybody a little bit of context on this one, it's a very, very good question. Uh, just so you know, as I give this, uh, my, my answer on this, um, you know where I'm coming from. I was a real estate agent, uh, minding my own business in Charlotte, North Carolina back in 2007 ish, uh, that time frame. And, um, next thing you know, Elevation Church is asking me to be their first campus pastor. Um, so I was the camp, the first campus pastor at Elevation Church. Then I moved to Miami a couple of years later and was a campus pastor of a campus of 80 people. Um, and wow. two, two years later, I was the campus pastor at that same church for the, they pulled me to the broadcast campus of 6,000 people. Um, a year later, they asked me to be the multi-site director over nine campuses, some of them international for a church of 10,000. 
Um, a year later, they asked me to be the CFO on top of all that, uh, not to replace that, but to do all of it. And then a year later, they asked me to be the executive pastor on top of all that, um, doing all of that at the same time. Um, then I resigned from there in May of 13. And a year later, uh, Dave Ramsey calls me out of nowhere and asks me to be his voice to the church in America. So there's the context. And he, here, here would be uh, my answer. Uh, throughout my journey, was I achievement-based? Or did I have some kind of addiction to achievement? I can honestly say no. Mm. I was achievement-based. I wanted to produce. I wanted to add value to a team. But it wasn't about, look what I did. Look what trophy I can put on the wall. It was, how much value can I add to a team? There's a yes. lot of difference between those two things. Yes. Another key word that you said, Brandon, is achieve uh, addiction. There was no addiction throughout that journey. And I would say my identity was never wrapped up in a role. My identity was never wrapped up in uh, what I happened to be doing that time. And I really think when I look back through all of those big jumps, and I guess you can say climbs on the ladder, rungs on the ladder, whatever you want to call it, um, I think all my leaders, if you were to interview them on the next podcast, they would all say Chris never cared about his role. He was willing to be the custodian. He was willing to go out and do anything. It was whatever we felt like was a good fit for his for his uh, gift mix. Um, so if 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 you think that this older guy, because I'm 41, I'm not in the majority of our listeners are are younger than me. If you think this <laughs> older guy is going to say, "Hey, y'all need to pipe down on the achievement," I'm not. I'm going to yeah. say, "Go after it." I so mean, good. just absolutely go after it. The key is not an addiction. And it's not your identity. It is trying to add value to the cause of Christ and out of stewardship, out of your time and energy and your gifting and what you have, your just overall season of life. Maybe some of you don't have kids yet, or maybe some of you are not married yet. You're in a season of life where you have actually more to give than somebody who is married with four kids. Yes. You have more time. You have more energy. They may have more experience. They have more know-how, more mental, but you've got the actual energy. So go after it. Um, Help others achieve their goals and you will achieve there. And then when you do, whenever you get that little promotion, maybe it's a small one, maybe it's a big one, don't be prideful. Pride is the only thing in the Bible that God opposes. Yes. You do not want to be on the other side of a dodgeball court when God is opposing you. He's going to drill you in the forehead. So there's other things he doesn't like. There's only one thing he opposes. Yes. And the best way to not get a promotion is to be prideful because God's going to oppose your promotion. Ah, so good. So well said. Um, let me start landing the plane. Let me ask you this question, I guess, to kind of start wrapping this up. Why does Chris Brown love the church? I mean, what what is it about the local church that you love? It goes back to my childhood. Um, I, I grew up with... Um, four violent fathers. Uh, I went from abuse shelter to abuse shelter. I slept under bridges, slept in the backseat of my car, eviction after eviction, all the way from Florida to California, running away from uh, violent men in my life. And, and, uh, you know, never knowing where I was going to sleep the next day, went to 17 different schools growing up. And, uh, guess who was always there for me? Wow. I mean, I was in a different city almost every night. Wow. Uh, and who was always there for me. Mom was working three jobs. I'm literally just an eight-year-old, a nine-year-old, literally just walking around 
the streets aimlessly. But every time I came to a corner in whatever city I was in, I saw this uh, light in the darkness. Mm. I saw somewhere where I could knock on the door and somebody could not only give me the fish, but they could teach me how to fish. I was raised by the church. I wasn't raised by mom and dad. The church raised me and uh, I am forever grateful. And then I accepted Jesus in college, um, went to a Christian school. I have no idea how, but by the grace of God, I didn't know what even being a Christian meant. I just knew there was these churches where people were kind and they were above kind. They were just, there's something different about them. I didn't know anything about it. I just, they talked about Jesus, but I didn't get it yet. And, um, in 18, I accepted Christ as my savior. And, um, I knew I, I knew I, uh, needed to get baptized, but I was tentative to get baptized. And I actually waited until I was 28, 18 to 28 to get baptized, mm. um, which is 520 Sundays of saying no to God. And, um, the church is, uh, actually the one that, um, God spoke to me every Sunday and, and gently convicted me to take my next steps in Christ and was patient with me when I was in a rut in my faith and I was going through the motions and was patient with me when I was living in a lifestyle of sin, uh, was patient with me whenever I was being uh, rude to my spouse, was patient with me when I was not a bad, when I was a bad husband or I'm a bad father. Um, and then, uh, since then has given me the opportunity to be God's hands and feet. Um, he could do it all on his own, but he chose to use everyday people like you guys listening in and you, Brandon and me, uh, to carry out what he could do in, um, a snap of a finger. So allowing me to be his hands and feet, uh, I, I can't even believe that I've been able to see, uh, 10,000 people accept Christ and get baptized and I see lives changed and marriages restored and addictions overcome and worldviews change and families reconciled. It's, it's, um, it is the hope of the world. It's God's plan. A, um, it's the bride of Christ. And, um, for me, I'm giving my life to it. No matter what the role looks like, I know that uh, God wants to do whatever he's going to do in this world, uh, through the church, not through the government. Mm. Well, I just have to say a big thank you to you. Thank you for fighting through the hard times. Thank you for, you know, staying planted, being faithful for all that you've done because um, y- your voice carries so much weight. I appreciate what we've talked about today, and I'm just going to believe that, you know, your greatest days of impact are still ahead of you. And uh, just thank you. Thank you for um, lifting up the not sexy words you know, that we all need to be hearing as, as young leader. It, it, it means a lot to me and I know it's going to mean a lot to everyone listening today. So thank you very much. Oh, thank you. It's definitely an honor. And Hey, before I let you go, if, if any pastors or leaders want to connect with you further or any resources you have, uh, where can they do that, Chris? You know, right now, um, I, I'm, I'm probably just best found on social. I try to add value there. Uh, not just an empty follow. Um, I try to add value and, um, if I don't unfollow, but, uh, <laughs> would love to connect with everybody on social. I'm Chris Brown on air on all social platforms and I'm very active on there, but not so active where I'm not adding value. So good. So good. Thanks, Chris. Well, I pray you've enjoyed, uh, this episode today. You can check out Chris Brown's Instagram at Chris Brown on air and uh, connect with him on social media. If you're a pastor and you would like information on having Chris 
into your church, you can DM us and we would be happy to share Chris's contact information uh, with you. I also want to remind you again before we sign off today, it's coaching group season at Leading Second. I want to encourage you to uh, head to leadingsecond.com, apply for a coaching group today. It won't be the same without you this fall. It would be our honor to spend a few weeks with you and to get in the leadership gym with you. Also, if this podcast has resonated with you today, we would love to hear from you. I encourage you to subscribe to the podcast, leave a rating, a comment, and consider sharing uh, this episode or sharing the podcast with someone. And we would just count it an honor to help you and help your friends and help your team anyway that we can as a weekly installment of leadership into your world. So Leading Second, we love you. Signing off today, we love you. We believe in you. Let's run strong for the kingdom and lead in an uncommon way together. Oh.